designer. My name is Jake Van Ness, and I'm here with my co-host, Carl, from Holy Carp Design. How are you doing, Carl? I'm doing very well, Jake. How are you doing? Good, good. This is uh, something new for us. We're actually testing out a new software called Blab, and it's basically a, a video chat service that has been getting pretty popular, and it allows you to have up to four people on screen at once, and right now we're just doing it with Carl and I trying to get used to how to use it and figure out what we can do with it. Um, had some great help from this guy, David, who's part of uh, Blab. So that was that was awesome to be able to get that help. So uh, what have you been up to? Not much. Uh, before I get into that, I do want to say thanks to the great community here. Uh, there's some really helpful people at Blab, and uh, they're helping us get started. Uh, as to what I've been doing, I just did some leadership training for BNI. Um, I am now the nice. growth coordinator within our group um, starting in October. So I'm looking forward to helping our group grow and uh, helping people make money you know, through the referrals. So looking forward to that. And I'm also running um, the Artist Alley and Vendor Hall at another anime con next month. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, we actually just... Uh finally settled on a new place for our BNI group mm -hmm. and that was kind of an interesting thing to have to deal with because we ended up having to move yet again and it's been the third time in a year so that that it's good to be able to do that yeah um actually I was just looking up what episode we actually talked about BNI um actually if you go back and listen to episode 143 we talked about BNI what it is what it does for for uh, Carl and I and why we're involved with that. So if you're interested in that, definitely check out episode 143. Um, so today I thought we'd talk about pricing structure, like how designers price. And this was actually your topic that you suggested. And I think it's a great topic because it's, it's definitely a bit of a confidential, or a, I can't think of the words, went out of my head. Uh, basically it's a, controversial topic yeah. is what I meant to say. And it's one that obviously there's a lot of writing out there about it. There's a lot of podcasts to talk mm -hmm. about it, but it's definitely something that I think you and I should talk about. So I'm curious what, how do you typically price your projects for your freelance business? I am looking at trying to uh, keep people. Yeah. I, I want to tame my business. So basically if someone is looking to pay me, uh, $10, $15 an hour. It's something that's more for the designer who's just getting out of school or just getting started. I price hourly at this point because I'm still at the point where I'm trying to gather more business and to be able to estimate my time. But I'm finding it's kind of a bad habit, at least for me. It, it can be. And I think that some interesting things that can happen if you price hourly is if you're pricing at a rate that is comparable to what you should be at, then you may get some sticker shock from your clients. Mm -hmm. There's just something about clients where you say, okay, a project's going to take me three hours and you say, okay, I'm, I'm typically 50, 60 bucks an hour. So we'll tell them $150. Yeah. Now, if you tell them $150, they're more typical to say, oh, you know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pay the 150. You don't really need to get into the details of how many hours. Right. But if you sit there and tell a client's 50 bucks an hour, they might actually have some sticker shock and may not be willing to pay that, which is kind of an interesting 
thing to run into. Um, I do kind of a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Um, I do hourly rates on certain projects. Like I, I do a lot of, uh, publication design and Mm -hmm. I have a client who does a lot of tech papers. And instead of trying to quote every single one of those papers each time, I actually sit there and say, okay. And part of that is one paper could be four pages long. One paper could be 20 pages long. It's, there's no way for me to be able to tell what that's going to be. So what I've done is I actually do an hourly rate with them because they send me like two or three papers a week to lay out. Now, when I do a publication design, such as like I I do a magazine for a local um, mom that does a blog and she also does a magazine, that's actually done on a project basis. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is, again, I know how many hours it'll take me to typically do layout for that. But I provide a lot more to that than just the layout. I'm more of, and I'm actually labeled as the creative director for that than just the designer. Right. So you, you do find that that works better in that case. Um, now, I have, a, I have a question. Like when you do it for local design, are you, are you thinking at an hourly rate or are you thinking at a project rate? I'm thinking, um, personally, I'm thinking how many hours I think something will take. And then... You know, I, I give a range for a project. So say a logo design, um, I give a range of eight to 10 or eight to 16 hours. And I'm finding, you know, sometimes the logos design themselves and I get, I'm really feeling like I'm undercutting myself and my business, um, by giving them something that's a lot lower than what the quality of work has been, um, I, I'm looking at Ember Studios, uh, giving us a little, some chat and he's right. Hourly doesn't always work. Sometimes people want to know a flat rate just so they can budget for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, when I did the big branding project I did earlier this year, that was, I had to put together a whole proposal and that was interesting because to be honest with you, in some parts of it, I think I made out pretty well. I probably got a little bit more money per hour based on the whole scope of the project. But then there were other areas where I probably did a couple other things that might've been outside the scope of the proposal, but I put them in there just because it was, it was quick to do, but I might've lost a little bit of money there, but overall I made out fairly well. So that is something that you do find with doing a project rate is sometimes you might get chipped a little bit, I Mm -hmm. guess. But that's where you have to have contracts. You have to have good proposals. You have to use the term outside the scope of the project and, and be honest with the client and say, you know, this is what we talked about. This is what I gave you the price on. Now we're outside of that. I, I need to charge you for that as well. So it's sound- the other thing. I was going to say, so it sounds like it's a both and scenario. So we, we should be doing a solid flat rate for the project and we should be charging an hourly when we meet certain terms of the project. So say we go past two rounds of revisions because, you know, they're just unsettled about certain things or that it becomes a design by committee project. At some point you got to start billing hourly because they're going to stretch out that project if they feel no pain on their end. Right. And, and that's, yeah, that's something you have to be careful with that. And that's where some 
believers in the hourly rate believe that if you do an hourly rate and you charge what you're worth, it deters them from dragging it on. And I have to say that that's, that's true, but I, I just find so many clients are shocked by an hourly rate, even if it's fair. And, and I guess it's the same thing if you went to a doctor or you went to a restaurant. Like, they don't share with you how how long it takes to make the food and what that hourly rate is for that employee. They don't share that with you. That's true. Um, you're paying for the meal. Or you go to the doctor, you pay the bill based on that the help that they're providing you, not on what their hourly rate is. I mean, they have one, and their billing department probably bases some things on that, but they don't typically sit there and share that with you. Um, so it, it, it is an interesting dilemma, and I think that's where I find projects work project rate works best for me when I'm doing something that's a, a project base, like a logo design, right. a brochure design, things like that. But if I get into something like uh, like Ember Studios was talking about, where you're working for a local agency a couple hours a week, mm-hmm. well, that's kind of what I'm doing with those tech papers is I'm basically, even though I'm not in-house, I'm their designer a couple hours a week. So it's easier to say, okay, this is how much it is an hour. And even there, I had to basically calm them down when they found out how much I was charging per hour because they were like, this is crazy. And it's like, no, because a four-page document is going to take me an hour. A 10-page one is going to take me a couple hours. So you're like, not every document is going to cost you hundreds of dollars. It's just... This is how it works so that we're not having to go, okay, this time it's a 10-page paper, and this is how many I do per hour, and I figure out, and here's your quote. If I had to do that every time I did a paper, I'd pull my hair out, and I'd I'd have to charge more mm-hmm. because I'm spending time just doing the estimating part. So it's the kind of stuff where you have to kind of go back and forth, and, and it's, it's interesting because it also depends on what you do. Right. If you're a freelance writer... There may be different situation. If you're a freelance illustrator, you may feel it works differently. And that's where I think this conversation is there because it really depends on how you run your business. There is no right way or wrong way. And I think that's the thing that's interesting is that there isn't. Like, I do both. Now, I agree with you that when you first start getting into freelancing, you first start getting into billing clients, you may tend to... Do it hourly because that if you're coming out of an hourly situation, that's what you're used to thinking. You're used to thinking, okay, this took me three hours. This is how much I charge per hour. Mm-hmm. But if as as you get better at your business, as you grow your business, you're going to find that the project rate is better. And it's an easier way to do things in most situations. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes for you. And, and it's funny because before we started, you actually showed me that brochure and you're like, it was this much for two brochures. So you're already doing that. You're yeah. already doing that project-based stuff. But you're right. You got to make sure that you don't go outside of that and not charge them for that time. You need to make it clear to a client that if we go outside the scope, there's now an hourly rate mm-hmm. or this is how much it's going to cost you. Because there's some people that'll do that. That'll say... If we go outside the scope, it's going to cost you an extra couple hundred dollars, whether it takes me 10 minutes or it takes me five hours. Like, that's how much it is to go outside that scope. And, and part of that is to deter a client from doing that and, and deter 
the client from having that issue of prolonging things forever. Um, I think that it's a value for a designer, though, to understand what their value and time is. So you may want to start out hourly when you're starting into the freelance world, just so that you can gain an understanding of how long it takes you to work. You're going to make sure you're not doing a project for $10 an hour. I know a lot of uh, illustrators that are charging way less than what they should. They're working on an illustration for 20 hours and they're only charging 50 bucks. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. And, and, and people will say, well, I love to do it, and but it, it's not it's not always about that. It's about business, too. I mean, yeah. if you're doing this, and yeah, okay, it might be a, a side project or it might be a hobby, but still, you need to charge what a fair rate is also so that you don't hurt other illustrators and other designers because if you're doing that for 10 bucks an hour and somebody else could do it for more, they're going to lose that business. Now, you could be a better illustrator than them, too. But that's where you should charge what you're worth. I think that's the biggest thing. Make sure you charge what you're worth. And I'm sure you run into that all the time at cons and stuff that illustrators are are not charging what they're supposed to. So, you know, the the ultimate taboo question is going to be asked by some people, what do I charge? And that's a question that always came up on our our, uh, graphic design forum. And that was something we always avoided because you can't really go to your peers and say, we should all be charging this per hour. Um, it, it sure, sure as heck would have been a lot easier to do that. I can tell you that. Yeah. And, and I, I, obviously areas depend as well. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I know guys that are go to art school, go into the city and they charge a lot of money and they're very good at what they do. And that's, and that's part of it too, is you, mm-hmm. As you gain experience, as you develop your skills, you can charge more because you're worth more. Um, so yeah, that's always kind of a taboo thing to talk about because not necessarily that we we don't want to share, but I could tell you what I charge, but that's not going to be the same for you because you're in a different area. You may do a different type of design. You may do it with less experience or you may have more experience than me. And that that's something that makes it really tricky. Now, there is the ethical guide that I think it's the... Uh, Graphic Artist Guild Guide for yeah, Ethics. Yeah, and that that helps give you kind of a baseline of where to start. Now, I can tell you that it's tough for me to get the prices that they have in that book, even from years ago, because yeah. I live in upstate New York in an area that is not... It's not a city. So people are not used to paying several hundred dollars for things they're they're or for designs they're they're used to getting it right away which is a whole other issue but also they're they're not used to paying designers what they're worth and and it's tough um but again a lot of it goes back to experience too what what is your background how long have you been doing it a freelance designer that's just starting out as did myself I used some online freelance sites and I wasn't making what I wanted to, but that was to help me build my experience so that then I could then go after the bigger projects with a better portfolio. But it was tough. And the first year of my business was tough because I didn't know what to charge. I didn't know how to make sure I was getting what I was worth. So I I can imagine 
any new designer, that's a tough thing. And I'll be honest with you, I still struggle with it. it am I getting enough to survive? Am I getting enough that I, I feel that I'm that the time is worth it? That's a tough thing to deal with. So it's funny, it's, it's a taboo situation. And I remember when we were on the graphic design forum that people would just like lash out and say, no, we don't talk about this. I don't see anything wrong with talking about it. I just, I could see where you don't want to put a number out there because there isn't that standard. It Now, what are some ways do you think that you could kind of find out what the rates are in your area? Um, well, you can go to other designers and you can, you can say, you know, what you can ask them outright. I don't mind talking about yeah. it in a close conversation. Um, cause I found an audience that will pay me that, uh, my rate. Um, but I wouldn't publish it. And I know that I adjusted, I pretty much doubled my rate in the last year and a half. Now the detriment to that is I do have clients that are looking for that old rate. Um, yeah. Some of yeah, our I mutual clients, that. but yeah. the other thing is I also like to, uh, as you know, I spin off some work because I am working full time. Sometimes the volume of work is too much for me to handle alone. So I make sure I charge enough that I can pay a private contractor such as yourself like we've done and then still have a little meat on the bone for myself. Right, because you, you're managing the project, so you should have that little bit extra in there. So that, and, and it's not even that it's a little bit extra. It's finding other designers, contractors that'll work with you mm -hmm. so that you can go to your client and say, okay, this is how much it is. You're not going to get the whole thing that you would have just for dealing with them, but you're also not doing all the work. I mean, that, that's that's a juggling thing that you have to deal with. But yeah, I, I think talking to local designers is good. I think, especially in, in the area that I'm in, I think that designers tend to be very protective of their clients, first of all, but also their rates what they're doing, things like that. So it's tough to find a mentor, I guess, in some ways sure. to do that. And But I, I will say there's a little bit of a sneaky way of doing it. And I've had people do it to me and I've done, and I don't have an issue with it for the most part, is pretending to be a client. I know people that do it. You, mm -hmm. you go to a competitor and you say, I'm looking to have a local design and this is what my business is. And it's completely fictitious, but it's so that you can get an idea. And some people think that's unethical. I don't know. It happens all the time. It's happened to me. I know I know when a designer comes to me, and a lot of times the way I know is that they use too much information. They're too smart. <laughs> so mm -hmm. they sit there and give you like everything you need to know right up front. You're like, wait a minute. How do they know all these things that I'm going to ask about? So it, it, it's, it's a way to find out. Um, but also... Talk to your clients. Talk to potential clients. Most of them have probably worked with another designer and will probably share that information with you as to how much the last project cost. And so that's there's nothing wrong with asking that. Now, that's burned me in the past where I've given a quote and I've taken that quote and gone to a c competitor, but that's business. And that's, that's what I always tell people is it's business. You can't really help when that happens. You just have to do what's right by you and make sure that it's working. So it, are there any other tactics that you can think of to kind of figure that out? Um, you know, there is a spreadsheet that I saw or an infographic that helps you calculate 
what you need to charge per hour to hit a certain salary. Um, so that kind of calculation, uh, we'll find it and share it in the show notes. Um, that, that will help you kind of determine what you should be charging to live a lifestyle in your, your area. Um, where in the Northeast, it's going to be a lot higher of a need for a higher charge than, say, in the Mid-South, like Tennessee and Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and, yeah, and it, that's, I mean, that's a business tactic that they basically tell you when you start your business is sit down and say, okay, how much is my rent? How much is my mortgage? How much is my grocery bill? How much is my electric, my heat, all that stuff? And you kind of you come up with a figure that you need to make per hour. And it's funny because sometimes I want to hand that to clients to get them to understand that I have to pay rent. I have to pay for my software. I have to pay for these things. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I can afford to do that is if I charge you what I'm charging you. And, and it's funny how many people you have to have that conversation with. They'll have no problem paying a doctor what they pay a doctor, even though everybody complains about that too. But they've got bills, they've got student loans, things like that. So it's like you kind of have to do that for yourself to get to figure out where you are. But you also have to realize that that's information, not that you should share exactly what it is, but it gives you kind of the grounds to push back on a client and say, hey, you know, I got to pay for software every month. So I do have to charge this so that I can afford the software to do the projects and people have student loans. I have to pay student loans every month. If you have a student loan, then you, you have to pay those things. And, and it's funny how our society looks at freelancers and designers and, and really doesn't put the value there that they should considering how much marketing is done by designers, how much stuff is out there, everything you see, and they just don't realize the value. And I, and I think that's a constant struggle that, business owners as designers run into but i think it's probably even worse for freelancers yeah because they look at you and go hey you got a job so i guess you don't need to make as much that's not true it's not i mean a lot of people subsidize a job that's not paying them what they really want with freelance work it's not they don't do the freelance work for free yeah so that's and i mean you're a perfect example of that mm -hmm. i i I only want to do about 10 or 15 hours of freelance a week. So I got to make sure those hours are worth my time. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I have health insurance through my full-time job um, and that's fortunate. But then again, I do have uh, all of my student loans who, that have been with me for 10 years. And if I don't start paying them down more, they're going to be with me another 15. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a really good conversation about, hourly pricing, project pricing, pricing in general, mm -hmm. and, and how we struggle with stuff like that. Um, typically, we try to do these podcasts, video casts now, about 25, 30 minutes each time. Um, some may be longer, some may be shorter. But one thing that we have started doing is tech picks. Um, can be anything like an app. It could be a piece of hardware. Um, I, I would say even as far as a physical product, it's not really technology in a sense. Like I actually had the timer the one time it was for the Pomodoro technique. Well, mm -hmm. that's it's tech, but it's not in the typical sense of tech. So what is your pick for this show? So 
I'm not sure if I, I don't think I did this pick the other day, but if you can see that, this is <laughs> Fallout Shelter. In anticipation of um, the next Fallout game, uh, they're trying to train us on how to breed our own Fallout Shelter people with this new free app. So uh, I recommend Fallout Shelter. It's made by Bethesda. It's a lot of fun. It's a good way to waste time when you're on the uh, Metro or the T yep. here in Boston. And uh, I've been playing, I've probably put in about 10 hours over five weeks. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, the guy I work with for web design is really excited about Fallout coming out. So he's got it pre-ordered and it'll download to the Xbox at midnight when he needs it. So <laughs> he's looking forward to that. And he basically told me that I'm not allowed to hire him for any work for about a month after it comes to the download. So nice we'll see country. how that goes. <laughs> nice country we live in. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a good one. I, that's a good one. I've actually played that a couple hours and it's fun and, and it's, really popular too it's yeah. like you see people posting stuff all the time about it um so for my tech pick i was actually going to pick wonderlist um wonderlist is a really good to-do list and i've used it for quite a while it's quick and easy to post stuff to um i i have it on my iphone my ipad on my mac it all syncs so if i'm out somewhere and a client's like hey can you get me an estimate for this i can put it right on the to-do list and then I op when I open up Wonderlist here on the Mac, it'll actually be there because it syncs right up. So it's really nice to do app. Um, I I haven't done I haven't played with too many of the features because I I personally am a very simple to do list. It is put it on the to do list, put it under the date it needs to be done, and check it off when it's done. So I'm not I I don't get into I guess you can email to it and things like that. And I haven't really gotten into that too much. Because most of the time I have a device with me when I need to add something to the to-do list. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually done by, I think it's Wonderkit is the name of the company. Let me look it up quick. I will say I like leaving a breadcrumb trail for myself. Just when things come up with a project, I, I add details with my to-do list on Rike. So something like that helps. Let's see, it's actually built by the site Wonderlist. Uh, it's actually uh, wonderlist.com, and you can go there and create a free account, and it basically will set it up really quickly. It's very easy to move things up and down on the to-do list, which I mm -hmm. found really nice. They've added some really crazy backgrounds, which, again, not something I play with, but it's kind of cool for the app. Um, you can actually sort things like I have for graphic precision, my design business. Um, I have a category for that. I have a category for rookie designer and a category for personal. So I can actually put what I need to under the specific list that it needs to be under. Then it has today. So if you have it dated to be done today, you can just sort the list to today and then it'll show just those items, which is kind of nice. So I, I highly recommend that. Back to what you were talking about with uh, Reich. I just want to do a shout out to them. I actually downloaded it to give it a try because I'm always looking at project management. They reached out to me right away. They actually had a real person call me and say, hey, you know, do you have any questions? Is there anything we can do to help you? And I actually had about, about a 15 minute conversation with the guy about what I was looking for as a sole proprietor. So it was really cool to have that personal attention and it, it 
it's not something I plan to use going forward, but it was nice to have that attention and have that conversation. And, and he agreed with me. He said, it may not be the best tool for you. It's more for groups. So it was an interesting conversation. It was kind of cool that they reached out. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a good spot for us to kind of bring this show to a close. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you? I am back on Twitter now at Holy Carp Design. Uh, I'm online at holycarpdesign.com and on Facebook. Um, typically, I'm posting uh, articles about you know personal branding and all that. And other times I'm posting project updates. So, okay, cool, cool. Um, you can actually, my business is actually graphicprecision.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jake Van S. If you're actually watching this on uh, Blab, you can actually see our Twitter handles are right in the top of our videos. Um, feel free to follow us there. I actually have one for graphic precision as well, which is at graphic precision. And of course, we have RookieDesigner.com, which is our website for Rookie Designer. We have a Rookie Designer uh, Twitter handle. Not very active, but we're trying to work on that. Um, Facebook has been very good. We've gotten a couple more uh, followers, which we're happy about that. If you're uh, listening to us for the first time and found us there, welcome. Um, so Facebook is Facebook.com slash Rookie Designer. Um, and I think that's a good place to end the show. So remember... Everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star.